Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Average Superstar TV. I'm your host, Lauren Lepery. Please give us that subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. A new episode drops every Monday morning at 5 a.m. And this week, we are back in the music world. For someone I've known a very long time here, we're, we're, we're jumping back into the Hardcore scene, the New York hard scene, New York hardcore scene, and I uh, met this guy back in 1995, probably the spring of 1995. With that, Markham Shutdown, welcome to Average Superstar TV. What's up, Lauren? Great to see you, man. Been a long time, been a long time, man. I appreciate you having me on. Um, this is pretty cool, pretty cool for us to do this all these years later, man. Life, life really comes full circle, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, look at dude, and you wore like the best shirt. <laughs> oh, it's one of my one of my favorite shirts. It's funny, I didn't even think of it like for this specific podcast. But when I was a kid, everybody loved Hulk Hogan, and I, um, I was kind of like the Antichrist. I I loved Ultimate Warrior. So like WrestleMania when Ultimate Warrior beat Hogan, that was like the greatest day of my oh, childhood. Like that, I didn't think it could happen, but I was with you, cheering because I was I was the guy up front that was always into the. I was over the good guys quickly. I was a Four Horsemen fan and, you know, stuff yeah. like that. But when, I just thought the Warrior was going to be another guy he dropped the leg on and 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 got another victory. So when that happened, I, I was so freaking happy. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I was at uh, – I always tell my kids this story. I was at like a – I think it was my one of my best friends. It was like his 13th birthday. And I remember because wow. birthday is always in April. And his parents had a WrestleMania party. And it was like everybody, you had to wear a war, Ultimate Warrior or a Hogan shirt. And when I tell you, like 98% of the kids at the party had Hogan shirts on. And I came in my Ultimate Warrior shirt. And I was just like king of the world that day. I was like, you know, and he was an Ultimate Warrior fan too. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty cool. But yeah, that's, and to be completely, just to be fair, my four brothers, um, two specifically, John and Kevin, are way, way, way into wrestling. I I'm kind of barely scratching the surface. They actually, they're like wrestling gurus. Both of them have podcasts dedicated to wrestling. Well, yeah. And when you met me, I was uh, helping out with the ECW era and stuff. So, yeah, that was, I was kind of like my, my I remember the 90s. And then <laughs> this went flatline like it's no more. Like, I don't know. I guess yeah. when I put something behind me, it's over, you know. But, uh, you know, that was, that, that was something I, Obviously, let happen once the ECW and WCW folded. Uh, yep. Doors were very hard for more of a wrestling male manager to get in with all the divas going on. I'm like, yeah, they, they ain't taking me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just like bad timing. Yeah, it was. It was just the nature of the business, you know. But, uh, but Mark, when I got in the hardcore was spring of 1993. What's your earliest memory and what drew you to the New York hardcore scene? My earliest memory, um, I've said this a bunch of times before, is my first show. Um, to get into New York hardcore, my first show was probably, it was July of 93 at Lemoore's. And my brother's band, Confusion, played. And I was 13. And Madball played. And 25 to Life played. And Crown of Thorns played. And it was like a really... That was a very sketchy crowd, to say the least. I mean, there was like a clash. There was a clash of a couple of crews at that show that I won't get into. But my brothers were nervous for me to be there for sure. And when I was outside, I started meeting, you know, skinheads and punks and hardcore straight edge kids and you know, kids from my high school. And it was really cool. Like it was a really great. I was going into high school that summer, like that fall, and it was a really cool experience for me. And when I got in, 
you know, they had to sneak me in because it was 16 and older to get into Lemoore's and uh, they snuck me in and they put a little bandana around me to make me look kind of like tough, which I, there was, I was like five foot, nothing. There was nothing tough about me, but they wanted <laughs> to just like, I guess like camo me into the crowd. Yeah. And then, um, during confusion set, they kept me on the side of the stage. And of course, like two songs into the set, everybody's looking at me. They're like, go stage dive, go stage dive, you know? And I'm just like a little kid. And they're just like, of course, you know, I'm listening to everybody and I run and I'd stage dive into the crowd. And I feel like that was the moment that I like fell in love with hardcore, you know, like it was like literally like love at first sight. I was like, Oh my God, I love this music. Wow. And I, you know, I wanted to start a band that fall when I went into high school, the very first thing I did, was find a kid named Rob who skateboarded and we started a suicidal tendencies cover band. And That's what a great start. <laughs> dude, I never even talked about that. Um we okay, did a record, the first band I saw was right before um my first hardcore show and it was suicidal tendencies the first band. Oh, I, I, yeah. yeah so and that was right at the lights camera revolution. So like I got like yep. a double dose of two amazing worlds pretty fast. That's exactly what I was getting into. So I, they, I just, I don't know why I gravitated to them when I was super young, like maybe even nine, 10, my brothers, cause we all shared a room. So we grew up in Brooklyn, you know, and we had a pretty small apartment. It was like one of those Brooklyn old, like three floor houses, but we rented the top two floors. Uh -huh. And like the top floor was kind of like an attic. It wasn't really like technically a bedroom, but my parents turned it into a bedroom and put four of us in there. And we lived like right next to each other, like daily. So on the walls, as you remember in the eighties, and by the way, this is my kid's room. Um, they're, they're cool walls, but <laughs> on the walls, um, is, uh, back then was hardcore posters from my brothers, like posters of underdog and youth of today and agnostic front and Chromex. And I didn't know what the hell these good things were. Like I was eight, nine, 10 years old, but you know, like you go to bed every night and like you see a picture and like, you can't forget it. Right. You're drawn to something. You almost feel like you're missing out. So you want to be a part of what's going on or at least check it out and see if you are. Basically. So like I started going through their records when they went, they would go to Sunday matinees, like in the late eighties, like they were never home and they were two years. My brothers are like a, two years apart. So like Mike, I think was like 15, John was 17. And it was just like, they were off to the races with New York hardcore. They were never home. They were always at shows. Um, always, you know, road tripping to shows. My parents were cool. They let them go, but I was at home alone and I'd be in the room. And I'm seven years younger than Mike, who's the next youngest after me. So I'm quite, you know, younger than them. And I'm like eight years old and I'm now like scratching their records, putting them on. Like, what is this suicidal? What is, why would they call their band suicidal in my brain? I'm like eight, nine years old. And then I put the song on, you know, I saw your mommy, your mommy's dead. You know, I killed your mommy, your mommy's dead. And I'm like, I really am into this, you know? And then I start hearing like, institutionalized and i was like oh my god i love this band and i just started getting into them and they were one of the first bands so when i started high school before i started a hardcore band i met like a kid in a class and he skated and i was like hey do you play an instrument he's like yeah i play uh guitar i was like cool man let's do a suicidal cover band and we never got off the ground we learned like four songs but we practiced probably like you know a dozen times and it was super fun and from there i was just like i have to start a hardcore band and that's kind of how I started shutdown. Like the next year when I was a sophomore was kind of when I found other guys. And, you know, Anthony was, if you remember, Anthony was one of the original guys that started the band with me. And then Steve and Jimmy came shortly thereafter. And then of course, Dion replaced Anthony a little bit after that. Got you. So, I mean, where I was compared to where you were, I mean, there was, you have New York is like, was a booming. There was always bands breaking open. And I mean, 
you guys seem to have gotten your roots on the fast side, like, you know, because there's so many bands, especially up there that could get lost in the shuffle or play a lot of shows and no one cares. So yeah, man. you guys like, I don't know, was, was it the lineup? Was there were some good people help push that on top of you doing an output of music? Um, to be honest with you, I was doing it all myself. Well, there um, you go. I was, I was, um, I was, I was doing it by just like kind of like old school marketing, right? Like just talking to everybody, making friends, sending, uh, giving away a lot of stuff. Like we used to make demos. I don't even know that we sold them. We like gave them out. We sold them for like $2. Mm -hmm. And I think that that like, I think about that now and it was very organic the way we got our name out. Um, you know, I met people like you and I met people like Richie from Crutch and Wisdom and Chains and I met you know, Joe and all these cool people like at a time in my life where I was literally like 15 and we were doing road trips to like, you know, Wilkesbury and yeah. Stranton and Moose. That's exactly where I met you around then. I, yeah. I, I think I remember and, the exact spot too, dude. Like, cause like back then it was crazy. Cause I was a little older getting into hardcore there, but like, I just, as soon as I got, it, I was just more blown away of the youth, the youth movement of like that kid's 14 and he's in a band. Like really that's <laughs> happening. But that was like a common thing. It was, that's one of the things that drew me to it. Like so, so much. And I mean, you could tell up there, we only had really about eight bands that was yes. consistent. And what happened, you know, everyone from New York hardcore and around the want to play there because we were Dude. eating that up. We were eating and that up. And I mean, you had bands like Strength for a Reason, Crutch, Warped Weeble Wobbles back then. Um, you know, Able, I'm sure yeah. Feeble. Oh my God. I can't forget Feeble. Yeah, um, and then you could go to Wilkesbury and a band that, yeah, a band that was very influential on me um, in Wilkesbury, Buried Alive. I really wow. got into it. I mean, not Buried Alive, excuse me. Um, Burial Ground. Burial Ground. Thank yeah. you. Sorry. Sorry, okay. Buried Alive. Um, okay. Burial Ground was awesome, man. And he was one of the singer from Burial Ground. I believe his name was Jamie. Jamie White. Yeah. He passed away. I know I had heard that from some of the local guys, but he was one of the first friends I made in the hardcore scene in Pennsylvania. And I was literally just turning 15 and we traded demos. And I believe he invited me to play the Manus Green, which was my second Pennsylvania show, which was right after a CC show, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe I was there, but was uh, I think you were it, definitely it, at the it, CC show. Definitely, but I also think Inhumans' first uh, show ever. Yes. Was that man is that's green. correct. That. Yep. Yeah, that yep. man. If you were at that show, that was Inhumans' first show ever. And it's funny because I got my brother on that show because I was friends with Jamie from Burial Ground, um, and I was excited because Burial Ground. He literally Ground lived like, like two minutes from there. That you know what I mean? Like so. That's that was, crazy. That was like the Burial Ground Extend Option like club. Yes. Kind of oh, thing. Option was awesome. I love. Yeah. Steve. Yeah. Those guys were amazing. They had control who was going on there and stuff. So that's why you didn't see crutch and stuff like that there. But, you know, the, the I know and, and back then I never even realized this, right? Like I'll make oh, truth, yeah. truth be told, Lauren, like we, you know, back then we were friends with everybody. So like we play the man of screen with burial ground and option, but then I didn't realize, you know, you go to CC's and that's crutch territory, you know? And it's like, you get in there yeah, and it's no, like, it was like a divide. And I thought I was, I thought I was like neutral with everyone. Cause like, as soon as I was here, like this band didn't like this band. I'm like, well, I have no problem with either one of you. So I'm just stepping over here. Like, you know, that's just kind of how I was, you know, always, but, man. I stayed away. I didn't even know, like you're telling me about it now. I probably never knew that. So it's like, yeah. it's funny, but, um, <laughs> PA was always cool to us. Like I, I have very fond memories of those times and those weekends and just always good shows, right? Like even the shows with like less people, you felt like there was more people there based on the way the kids reacted. 
I remember H2O's, one of their first shows they ever played was at CeCe's. And they were, I'm trying to remember who, it might have been like one of the first six times Hatebreed was booked and didn't show up. So, <laughs> and, and yeah, it took, like, it took like six times for them to finally play. But H2O played, and I think there was 20 people there. And and they showed up for that Hatebreed, and the Hatebreed didn't show. So they were the headliner. But we didn't care. Well, we care if the Hatebreed didn't show up, but we still were like, we're going nuts for whoever's playing tonight. We don't care. You know? So no, Yeah, no, that's how it was at CC's. I mean, no, bare, hardly any stage. That stage was what? Like 12 inches off the ground. And it was like you were one with the crowd at CC's. And the wow. thing about it was, is there was such a vibe at CC's. We were talking about this as a band because we're the same four guys for the last 25 years. It was such a vibe at CC's where like when you walked in, it was really cold outside and you could see in that fall weather, like as a guy from Brooklyn, like we got out of that van, we were excited. We got out of that van, but like there was like smoke coming out of our mouth from how cold it was in those woods. And then you walked into this place that really didn't look like a club. It looked like almost like you didn't know what it was. It looked like a one floor hall. What the hell was it? And you walk in and there's just kids front to back going, you know, in the front going ape shit and like going off for like local bands bands from out of town and i remember there was a guy from new york his name was lenny he played in a band called one second thought okay. and he tried to help us in the beginning he he got our demo out and i believe that he's the one that put it in the hands of someone like vince from cc's or something and he's like hey yeah book, book these guys and i think vince put us on one of those shows which is you know old man vince is how that all happened yeah it's funny do you remember walking to the convenience store Yes. Yes, I do okay. remember that. Okay, so if you ever happen to be passing this area, that's where Vince is now. He bought that. He owns that. Too funny. I remember hey. the earmuffs where he used to wear like the the ear the earmuffs like to inside the club or whatever you call them. Like you remember to like block out the noise. Little do we uh, know he was doing the right thing. We all have tinnitus now. Like we're all like dying. I can't hear anymore. And like Vince uh, is like the smart one. Yeah, I would say I'm very sharp hearing too. I was even back then. I was always wearing earplugs. I was just one of them like. I'm going to do this for a long time. I better be protecting my ears. So if it's coming yeah. in time, you know, I, I put it off for a while, but yeah, that's fun. And did you, uh, when you were there, do you have any, and he just passed, believe it or not, in his uh, late nineties, but did you ever have Vince's dad stop you at the door? Like he was the of biggest. Course. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't care who you were, what crew he's a, uh, Probably a what a sixty-five year old Italian man at that. He stood right. Dude, I remember it so well when you just said that. I I have images in my head of the old man at the door and and his dad. It turned out to be his dad, and that, that's funny, man. That's really funny. We never talked about this. Like I remember it. I've never spoken about this on any podcast because nobody really talks about CC specific, right? This is uh -huh. like more of like a PA driven podcast. I mean, not really, but kind of, right? Because of your roots at this and, moment, yeah. And and. You know, it's funny to talk about this because I totally remember him. I have a great memory. <laughs> yeah, I, or I might have said that backwards. I think that maybe the mother died, and he might be able. Don't don't. I have to get the right information on that. But I just know both of them were in their were. You know, they made it to their nineties. But yeah, and I remember, brother. I also remember like you being at Q's and Quarters, and uh, oh, that was a great place. And West Scranton, and I mean, I remember like Assessive Force was playing, like Fury of Five, 25 to Live VOD. And it was just, by the way, if you were to look at that lineup that day, that's like a Super Bowl of hardcore lineup for five bucks on a Sunday. 
I remember that show so well, man. I'm so yeah. glad. Shout, shout out to Fury of Five for playing again. Like, I'm so happy to see those dudes back. Like, haven't seen Jay Fury in forever. And, like, seeing them rock the stage at This Is Hardcore, like, that was pretty cool, dude. Like, I'm watching the videos and I feel, like, I get goosebumps because it's just, we all put in the work back then. And, you know, a lot of times now I feel some of the older bands it's crazy to think of us as an older band. I'm still in my brain, a younger band, but we're not a younger band anymore. And it's like some of the older bands get lost in the shuffle. I hate to say that, but it, and it's okay because I feel that there's a, so much good new hardcore out right now that it's, it's okay to, you know, forget the past a little bit, but it's like, there's a lot of bands that are now putting work in still. And if they didn't over the last 15, 20 years, they built families, they built careers, but they love what they do. Hardcore runs so deep in their veins. I could say this for myself and probably for the Fury guys and other bands too. Like to be back on that stage and see them back on that stage, it's really cool to see, man. And that Q's and Quarter show was amazing. That yeah, VOD twenty five, that was such a good show. Um, I, if I'm mistaken, um, John booked that show, right? I, that, I'm trying to remember. John, John booked them all. Yeah, and he was like only six. John from old, John Leonor. And what was his band called? RSB. RSB. Thank you yeah, very much. Yeah. So I, I, did, think, yeah. I think he was only sixteen at the time too. So you know, he's booking everybody. I, I just loved every show, by the way, it was a Sunday. Like, they were only allowed to book there because I don't know what business. It might have been a James way upstairs, and they didn't want to hear the noise. So yeah. but Sunday at 6 o'clock, we're behind a building, so the cops don't even, like, go back and stuff now. Like we And it was never having any problems, but it was just – it was awesome. I remember you – I remember you were at – your band was asked to go on first, and you were worried, like, is anybody going to go inside? And I remember you were wearing a backpack that was bigger than you. <laughs> and, and you guys went up and boom, dude. Like, we didn't, I, you might add the biggest pop that in the end. Cause you know, sometimes oh, dude, that was an, I have that show on video. You know that? It's funny. The first, but a lot of the times when there's uh, such a big crowd, the opening band sometimes gets the best response because every, everyone can't wait to let out that energy. That that show, I man, you bring back such memories that I really haven't thought of in a long time. Like I remember that show so well, dude. And like, yes, you're right. Like I never gave. The funny thing is, like you say that, and I'm glad you said that. But like, we never complained to go on first, but yeah. we would always be paranoid about people That's not being there. Right. We were just scared. So, like, is anybody so, going to watch us? So, yeah. So in in the case of playing anywhere in Pennsylvania, I could say it the opposite always applies kids came in and it's like you say it was like an energy release that they was just like ready to go off and cues and quarters i remember specifically because we brought one of our friends i believe joe sansone a very good friend of shutdowns grew up with us and he took like he had like the nice video camera and he was like the one guy that had a video camera and we took him and he would like took a video of that show and i don't maybe have it on me but i know someone in the band has it that show was amazing like it was a great show like the, i remember like it was like a crazy pit and then like that was like something for us to see at like 15 16 and it really like pushed us and i'm telling you like we talked about like pa became like a second home for us quick because every weekend it felt like we were somewhere playing out there yeah and that i was really i knew we had not trying to sound like a wise yoda i knew something special was happening i didn't understand at that time that history was being made though i did not think that at all Likewise, likewise. Yeah. But to think of the legacy of just all the friends and people that are still around all these years later, dude. I mean, we've lost some people, of course, and some people oh. fell off. But like, just for me and you to be talking and for us to be talking about, you know, all the all, all the people in the wisdom and chains guys and, you know, 
everybody from back then and, and, and strength for a reason. And, and like, I tell you, man, there, and one of my best friends, like who I love so much, who's not in a band, but you know, X Nick X. Yep. Like, you know, I, to this day, like talk to him all the time. He's my boy. And it's like all these friendships I made. And it all started at that one show, dude, that I met you the same show. And I remember the second I met you, I remember you had long hair. I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, does this guy like hardcore? Is he a metalhead? Like, what is this guy's deal? And, <laughs> I remember. I had a, I mean, listen, I mean, my hair back then. You always then, wore the ski cap, though. I remember the ski cap. Yeah, my hair was, like, way longer back then. But, like, I knew going in what, what I was up against, you know. But, like, little by little, you win everybody over. But I knew going to North Jersey shows, like, New York hardcore shows, sometimes you were going to get that, like, hey, I like your long hair. And I was just like. Just let it go, you know. This, so, yeah. so you know what it was for me. My brother Mike had long hair. I just said hardcore guys are really a lot of metalheads in disguise. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. and we all come from that, you know. So it's like, it was just funny. Like, you know, you're 15. You're everything's an impression on you, especially for me when I was going to those shows. Like, everything was all about like you know meeting people. It it blew my mind, you know. Like it really opened my mind up to like music and and just doing this and and traveling and meeting people and writing music it was just like crazy that time in my life really changed me you know i think it's a it was an amazing time for all of us no matter really where you came from because the more people you meet the more bands you know the more clubs each club like you just knew you were going to know 50 people and then by the end of the night you might have an extra 30 friends of people you just met like it was just how could you not just be so drawn to keep going of course, man. And when you're a kid, there's nothing better than just making friends that have all the things you have in common. Right. So it's like people, you know, yes, I was straight edge and, you know, I, but I wasn't a straight edge kid that, you know, only accepted other straight edge kids. I, all my friends drank and partied, you know, didn't matter. It was just like a great time to just hang out and just enjoy the music together. You know what I mean? And it was just like such a cool vibe um, going to those shows on Friday and Saturday night, because you got to understand Sunday was New York's day. That was our matinee day. So like to go out to CC's on a Friday night or uh, Wilkesbury on a Saturday night and to the, you, you bet your ass, we were in New York at a matinee the next day. So it was such a great weekend, you know? Mm -hmm. That's pretty crazy. And uh, when you brought up X, Nick X, I always said, uh, I, I know you played, I think at least one of those shows, but oh, yeah. Nick, Nick and um, Laura Rebel New used to book Newfoundland. Fire of course, of and course. I call it exit six. I always say that. That was exit six off of 84, but I, I remember it well. I, I remember also that's when Candiria really broke into the scene and they got that might have been one of their first shows they ever played was Newfoundland. And I just remember like people were hardcore dance, but everybody was just stopping and staring at the drummer. We were just kind of like drawing yeah. like holy shit. Like what is this? Ken is mind-numbing, like like to be around Ken Shock is yeah. mind-numbing like it literally imagine we used to share a studio and practice at the same studio with them fast lane studios and we would like let's say we had 9 p.m rehearsal they would we had this studio from 9 to 11 they had the same studio from 11 to 1 uh -huh. and we would stay and watch him and it was like it was like literally like watching like a magician on the drums like this guy is just the most gifted drummer i've ever seen in my life and and yeah. listening to him on those records is just it's art man it's like this he's incredible he, he's beyond and watching him like do it and he's so humble and cool you know he's like literally he actually worked at that studio so he used to help us um and it's cool because i see him on facebook and instagram and still doing his thing man this guy's a really really talented musician by far and i always remember every time they play the first two or three songs we'd be like he's amazing blah blah, blah. but by the fourth song you were just kind of in a trance 
Yep. Like, like you were just like, how is he doing this? And <laughs> other and, drummers- by the, and by the way, like they're all incredible. Like Johnny Lamacchia and and it's like they are just like they're just like insane musicians. They just they blow your mind with that music. Yeah, by far. That's just that unreal. So I mean, as far as when you're up in New York hardcore, get you know, and, and you're coming like a staple at that time. I mean, and you weren't you were you played fast in an era of chugga 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 breakdowns. Like what what was there a reason for that? I was, that's yeah. one of the, that's one of the things that drew me to your band because I I mean I'm if someone comes up and does chugga chugga now I almost sorry I wa- kind of walk away I'm kind of sick of that but you you were doing it when it was kind of dead you know it was a little bit dead in the water playing fast. It definitely was part of what we wanted to do. Um, we were, I was very, very into bands like Judge and Gorilla Biscuits and Youth of Today, Side by Side, and you name it. Like that. The Youth Crew Movement, yeah. And, but we're Brooklyn kids, and yeah. we do come from where we come from. You know, I grew up in Sheepshead Bay. The guys grew up in, you know, Bensonhurst. And, you know, we you know, can't deny our roots of biohazard and, 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 you know, bands like that. And so we wanted to incorporate something that influenced us from the heart, but at the same time to do the fast style, because if you remember at that time, there were no newer bands doing fast, you know, when I say fast, you know, I guess you could say like youth crew type music. Um, but we wanted to blend it. So we always practiced and we said, we don't want to be generic and we don't want to write, you know, the riff with the chorus and the next riff. And we want to kind of throw some parts in there that people are just like, wait, that, that doesn't belong there. So we would write songs where they sounded kind of Gorilla Biscuits influenced, but then in the middle of the song, you had like a Madball type breakdown mm-hmm. and people were like, wait, that's kind of crazy. Like, I never really heard that type. Like, that's kind of cool that they just, they're heavy, but they're fast. And, you know, the singer kind of sounds like he's 15 and, but I don't know, like it's different. And for some people it hit and for others it didn't, but we put the work in and I feel like, so for the ones that were apprehensive at first, at least at the very least, they started to respect us a little more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, fortunately for us, it grew into more of what we had always wanted to do, which was kind of like take it to the next level and travel. That, that that's great and also i mean it was like that before you and i got involved but one of the things i loved about hardcore and I, you could play something for someone who's not into the scene and they'll be like well, why that band sounds just like that band but i also like you know you you could say like murphy's law no redeeming social value mm-hmm. like e-town concrete crutch the wisdom and chains and all-out war and blood for blood and shutdown and be like well, no, this is all different categories of music. Like, no, nah, actually, we're all under one banner. And that's something I didn't yeah. know that there was diverse bands. Like, if someone says, like, well, what's a hardcore band? I always say, for my definition, a band that's raised in the hardcore scene. Like, I don't yeah. like I don't like saying, well, it's a sound. But, like, yeah, with a punk influence. And then we broke off to this, this. And what year is it? You know, I that's my definition. If you're raised in the hardcore scene, you're a hardcore band. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. That's fair game. I, every band you just mentioned, like I'm into all those bands. I mean, you know, that was our era. Right. And, yeah. and um, shout out to E-Town. Cause I see they're still doing their thing. I mean, the, seeing those shows are wild and it's funny, you know, we did so many shows with all those bands and, and, and so many times, like I'll tell you, we played a show our, we toured California for the first time and E-Town toured California for the first time. We had no idea. We showed up to the same place in uh, San Diego and we're both there together at this show. And there's probably like 15 kids at that show. 
Oh. But we hung out with the E-Town guys, had the time of our life. It was a great time. And it was just so cool, like, man, like how that happens. And now I see all this stuff later. And, and of course, E-Town, you know, blew the hell up right around shortly thereafter, right around that time. Yeah. But, um, you know, seeing kids embrace them now and all this stuff is super cool, man. You know, blood for blood. You know, I know it's been a while, but, you know, when we played East Coast Tsunami 10 years ago and seeing them get back together and do East Coast Tsunami and be in there, <laughs> just seeing the kids go nuts. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I don't even think the New York hardcore guys in the night from the nineties. Like, did, did did you would you really think this was gonna go where it's gone? Like, could you really have I, ever? Yeah. I'll tell you, I just saw video footage. Me and my brother Mike were talking about it. I just saw video footage of the Sound and Fury Fest in California last weekend, and my brother said this to me, and I, I think it's an accurate statement. It may go down as the greatest American hardcore show you've ever seen, and I urge anybody that watches this to go on youtube after you watch this hopefully and um you know type in sound and fury fest and type in the mind force set and your mind will be blown there are five seven eight thousand kids going out of their minds singing every single word singing every single lyric to every band that's playing and there isn't one older band on that whole festival it's all newer bands with the exception of course of terror who, you know, kind of falls into every category at this point. They're just, yeah. you know, they work so hard. I mean, they deserve everything they get. So I, I call that like a universal band. Terror oh, yeah, no, they're, I, I absolutely love terror. You know, yeah. they're, they're, um, me and my brother, Mike talk a lot. And we always like to say like, almost like they are, you know, they're the Kings of the modern day hardcore scene. They really truly are. Um, it's great to say that it's, you know, we have our best, you know, New York hardcore bands, of course, that will always say, you know, sick of it all agnostic front, mad ball, Murphy's law, but, in this day and age, terror are the kings and um, respect to them. You know, they work their butts off. And, you know, I've known Scott for a long time. Um, Chris from Cruel Hand, I recently got to know last October, H2O and Cruel Hand and Shutdown did a couple of shows in a weekend together. And just really good guys. You know, Chris from Terror and Cruel Hand told me a story about how he was 12 years old. We played in Portsmouth, Maine. And he couldn't get into the show. His mom wouldn't let him come that night. So he watched our sound check and he was like totally into it. And I thought that that was like the coolest story I had ever heard. And, he, and, you know, he talked about it on stage and it was like, you know, that's what hardcore is about, dude. You know, it's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Would you, do you, do you have any, uh, so when did, when did you leave New York? Um, in terms of moving? Yeah. I moved from New York September 20th, 2001, nine days after 9-11. Wow. I guess yep. that, that did I have anything to do with that or was is that already planned? Kind of crazy story. Um, we stopped touring in August of 2001. Last thing we did was a, a little stint on the warp tour, the, like the last week. And, um, that was the last touring that shutdown did as a band. And it was a very crazy summer. We went to Europe. We went to earlier in the year, we did Japan, Australia, New Zealand. I mean, it was a nonstop year kind of ran us into the ground a little bit, no time off in the end of the day. I talked about this, like, Kind of burned us out a little bit in the sense that we were very young you know 22 we loved traveling we loved playing but we weren't you know making any money we were just doing it you know people thought we were making what we couldn't even pay for our rent you know mm -hmm. so we tried our best to to hang in there the guys wound up going back to college but i moved to florida um in september of 2001 i had a going away party my parents my dad lived in that same place i grew up in my mom and dad had split up at that time so it was just my dad and my brother living there mike my dad let me have a going away party there. And I basically invited like all of Brooklyn 
And, um, you know, all my friends showed up. There was a lot of like, you know, people smoking weed on my porch and drinking beers and doing things they shouldn't do. And my dad was just like, Hey, he's moving. He's 20 to 21. Let him go. You know, God bless. Good luck. And, uh, at that party, I moved, I got a car and, and drove down to Florida and lived with my grandparents for a couple months. And they lived close to the beach and just used to kind of hang out on the beach and kind of be bored and want, kept trying to convince the guys, you know, drop out of college, let's go back on the road. <laughs> but I stayed in Florida and have been here ever since, man. And now, um, you know, here we are in 2022. I just have my fourth child and have two boys, 15 and 13, and uh, a little girl who's eight. And, you know, this is my life down here. I can say I'll probably never you know, move back up North. I, I do, you know, I love it down here. I truly do. Um, but I do miss my friends and, you know, the good times up there. Yeah. I just always like to get people's like when they leave an area, like even when I, when I left, uh, you know, the Scranton Wilkes-Barre area, I mean, that, that was an amazing era of my life to move to Philly. And yeah, it's only two hour drive, but I wasn't really going back up there that often for shows. I always just like to hear people's stories of when they moved on or, you know, cause I mean, it's a hard thing to do. I mean, is there really where you're at in Florida? Is there real shows like of, of that magnitude or? So I'm in Broward County, um, you know, Fort Lauderdale area. I actually live in Margate close to Coral Springs. And there are, there is a place called O'Malley's. Um, there was a show a month ago. And um, this is a very interesting story relevant to this podcast. Um, there's a new band here called Body Blow. They're, you know, guys in their 20s from Miami. Um, they're really dope and they cover hope by shutdown <laughs> and wow. they got in touch with me on Instagram and made friends with me and invited me to go to the show and get on stage and sing hope with them. That's freaking so amazing. I went to this show, which happened to be 1.3 miles from my home. <laughs> I had no idea <laughs> and walking distance, mind you. And, but I drove. And I proceed to walk into this club that is packed with, you know, teenagers, kids in their early 20s, and a band called Children of the Flesh, which is more of like a metalcore band, but it was their show, and they invited Body Blow to play. So it wasn't really a hardcore show per se, but Body Blow was playing. And when I tell you, Lauren, I mean, it was like old times, but there was a couple hundred kids there going ape shit. And it was amazing. And it was like, wow. And, you know, the guy brought me up on stage and it was really funny. Kind of made me feel old, but it was really funny for him to do this. He's like, you know, I'd like to introduce you guys to a big influence on us. And, you know, we love this band and to be able to bring him on stage and have him, you know, sing this song. It's, it's really unbelievable for us. He wrote this song when he was 16 and he's coming to, you know, get up on stage and sing it now. And he said this, you know, so I get up and I sing it and, you know, kids didn't know the words, but they were going nuts. And after the show, all these kids came up to me and they're like, well, you really wrote that song when you were 16? I said, no, I wrote that song when I was 14. And they, <laughs> they were laughing. And um, it was a really cool moment, a really cool moment. Um, Miami lost one of its best clubs down here. It's called Churchill's, basically the CBGBs in Miami. Wow. They stopped doing shows when the pandemic hit. I saw Madball play there February of, tw of 2020. Um, pandemic hit a month later and they haven't done shows since. And, um, so there was another place called Rosas and they closed down. So there isn't too many places, but I can tell you this Broward County has a very, very good hardcore scene. And there's a lot of new bands and Miami has a great hardcore scene too. Shout out to body blow. Those are my boys, but, um, you can check them out on Instagram. They're really, really cool band. They cover district nine. 
um, and they cover oh, Crown of Thorns. So very much our style of music, Lauren. That's and, great. Um, they're really cool kids, man. They're really cool kids. And I'm 20 years older than them. And it makes me feel so effing old. It's ridiculous. But um, I went to Miami and I hung out with them one night. We went to this bar and we hung out in the back and we talked hardcore for three hours. And these kids know it all. They are like gurus of 90s hardcore. And they could sit there and talk to you about 90s hardcore better than you and I. And it will blow your mind. <laughs> and what you just said about that this place no longer does shows, not to sound like, you know, the wise Yoda or anything, but I've always told people, no matter what style of music you're in, but particularly hardcore, if you've got a club and you like going to it and shows are going, go to every one because you all know in hardcore, you're on borrowed time. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it just is. Like, even if it's years, something, someone will sell the bit, the place, and the next owner doesn't want something like that or, you know, if if you remember, I don't know if you knew the end of what brought CeCe's down, but I mean, we're talking like 99, 2000, and the area was getting scared of, quote, people coming in from New York with tattoos and body piercings. And I remember. And there's gang warfare going on, yet in Scranton, they have tinks where there's 50 on 50 meathead fights left and right, but they were scared of us because we look different, which is basically normal now, you know, you know the older people were really like, it, it threw them off to see kids like, you know, in their late teens, early twenties with like big loop earrings and like covered in tats. And like, it really scared the fuck out of like the, I guess you could call it the baby boomer generation. And it was like, you think about it now, like, it's just like, everything's even going crazier, but it's like back then, like, you know, the people, the, I mean, hell, man, like we all dress different. We look different. You know, we stood out to those people. But when we got to CC's, we were all one big family, which was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. So it sucks because it, it, I guess just one big misunderstanding is the best way to say it. it it's just it, in a way, too. It's like you almost say the Internet caught the world up, like especially the Midwest. Like like everybody you know, had a big thing. The Midwest is all super hickey and stuff like, yeah, no, everybody kind of caught got modern and stuff like Could you really go to a town anymore where no one has tattoos at all? You know, like, yeah, no, at all. No, at all. It doesn't even exist. And when you were at CC's and you were young, (laughs) did you, I know you, you, you were straight edge and stuff, but did you go into the bar area and sit at the bar even fully? No, just just because they served anyone up there. Just, just to say, it's pretty funny. (laughs) It's pretty funny. That place was a really funny place. Um, it's just funny to think how young I was going there. You know, I have a, my son who just walking past me in the background. He's 15. And, um, he, he could have got, um, <laughs> got served there. I mean, you know, here he is and he wouldn't even believe me if I told him. Do you, do you remember how they found out what your age was? Do you remember the, 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 the saying they asked you? I honestly, I don't, but if you say it, I'll remember. They pointed at you and go, you 21 to say yes. And then they stamped your hand. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. I, I never saw them look at an ID once. It was an honor code. Are you 20? Yeah. The, <laughs> I, I never understood that. But uh, hey, I guess we know they're not open anymore. <laughs> yeah. But uh, would you say, to, uh, I guess to wrap this up, um, what did you get out of all this? What did you get out of hardcore? Oh, man. That's what I still get out of hardcore. It's, you know, 
it's what I turn to when things get stressful. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, the people I can rely on, um, in tough times. Um, and, and people, some of the people, even in different bands, you know, bands that were very influential on us. Um, and I'm not going to drop names, but you know, people that we respected back then that turned into like, went from like mentors to brothers to me. And there's people now that I stay connected to that. I'm just like, it's crazy to think to me, like I said, you know, I grew up listening to this guy and, you know, now he's like one of my best friends, you know? And it's like, but I turned to hardcore for the best and the worst times of my life, you know, and all the good stuff in between, you know, and, and people see when I talk to them about it, how much I love it. I think what you put into hardcore is what you get out, not to be cliche, but only in the sense that if you really do a deep dive, even today into like the newer hardcore and, and you see these crowds and the stage dives and how passionate people are about it. Like, you know, I'm a, it's crazy for me to, you know, emulate that into words to say like, it's special, man. Like it will never grow old to me. Um, I will never wake up and be tired of it. Um, every day. And every time I listen to it, I, you can put on a song I've heard a million times in the car and I don't think I'll ever get sick of it. And it's just something that's way beyond music to me. You know, it's passion over fashion, you know, it's all that good stuff. It's, it's, it's an art lost and it is getting more popular, you know, bands like turnstile, it's getting a little more mainstream and that's okay. That's perfectly okay. Hardcore has always had its moments in history of, you know, having these like reaches of mainstream, but it's, it's always going to remain where it is. And I think people need to relax and just enjoy the music. You know, there's so many good new bands out. It's just, I don't even want to talk about old band cause there's so much good new music out, you know, and, and it's just, I'm enjoying every minute of it. And a lot of these bands are influenced by a lot of the nineties bands that you and I grew up around and with. And it's really cool, man. It's really cool to hear newer versions of influenced by bands like that, you know, and I can go into all the bands, but I'm talking about, you know, bands from the nineties, one King down all out war, you know, all the New York hardcore bands, all the Pennsylvania hardcore bands, you know, the tri-state area in general, and I'll include Connecticut in that as well. Um, we were just one big scene, man. We were Northern hardcore, you know, Northeastern hardcore, I guess, you know, and it was like, Lauren, I would see you at CBs or wetlands hanging out just as much as I would see you in Pennsylvania, you know? Yeah. I would, I would go to shows in Pennsylvania, VFW halls, like on a Friday night where I wasn't doing anything. And I think that's the coolest part. Like we didn't have to like connect it, it, but we could see each other at shows and give that hug and that, you know, that friendship was always there. And it's cool. The friendship's still there today. You and I talk, it's like we didn't see each other since yesterday, you know? Yep. And there were great times. And you could also say it was uh, shows were cheaper and gas (laughs) was like 88 cents and 95 cents. So it wasn't hard to like, everybody throwing five bucks. Let's go do this. You know, let's take the road trip. So, so cool, man. I miss that, you know, and that's why we have a tour coming up and I'm just like, it's crazy. It's crazy to think I'm going to be road tripping with the guys again. It's really, really blows my mind. Yeah. Tell us about the tour. Um, we, we leave on, uh, I, we fly out on my birthday, September 29th and I'll be 43. And we, um, first shows in London, we're going to play ready fest, um, ready eye fest. It's a really, really cool festival put on, um, by a group of guys in London. Um, shout out to knuckle dust, um, shout out to all the bands, part of that crew. I mean, these guys have looked out for us for so many years and they booked this festival strife headlined it a few years ago before the pandemic. Um, we're headlining it this year. Karma is playing from Chicago. I'm really excited to play with that band. Um, there's a lot of cool bands from the UK playing. 
and it's going to be awesome, man. I'm really, really looking forward. So that's the first show. Um, we're touring October 1st to the 10th in Europe, and we're playing 10 shows in 10 days in eight countries. And one day, the day after London, this is where it gets crazy. It's the first time I'm ever doing this. We're playing two countries in one day. We have a uh, matinee in Holland and a night show in Belgium. And um, that's going to be pretty cool. Two sets in one day. And, you know, we go to France. We go to uh, Czech Republic. We go to Germany. Um, you know, I'm, I don't know which countries I'm forgetting. I always get in Europe. It's always a blur to me. You know, it's one big trip, but it's crazy to think like all these places are just three, four hours apart. So when you're playing in Europe, you're touring, uh, we're playing Switzerland, but you know, it's very, very exciting for us. We always did well in Europe. Um, you know, it was the 25 year anniversary tour based on the fact that we started in 1995. Well, do the math, the pandemic happened. So it's a 27 year anniversary tour. We were supposed to go in 2020. So they revamped the posters from 25 to 27, but we have new music to play. So it's not just like we're playing old, you know, songs. And of course we love playing those old songs, but we're going out there on a mission. We're kind of like, you know, ready to uh, put a new album out next year, got new music and the songs are incredible. Um, Dion's been writing them and we've been tracking them in the studio. Jerry Farley is actually going to produce the record who just produced the last three sick of it all records. And, lamb of god's record and he's just doing fallout boy and vision of disorder he's he was actually a friend that we used to take him to cc's if you remember the guy with the dreadlocks who kind of looked like tim from vod real skinny and he used to wear raver kind of clothes that was jerry farley that was our buddy well he turns out he turned into a big time uh, engineer and now producer in the studio so he's gonna life comes full circle and he's gonna help us with the record um shout out to jerry farley and yeah man it's it's good times ahead all love all positive stuff um you know growing the family growing the band trying to see if we can take one last hack at it and you know hit the road a little bit next year go back to europe play some northeastern shows get to the west coast i mean kind of like what you see some other bands doing we're starting to do it too and it's exciting that's great and the only thing i think could even though it was kind of more of a fun and 90s thing but at times you just go out of your mind you got GPS now. <laughs> you remember driving to some of these places, like oh in the middle of nowhere, and you well, just, just stopped, say that you wouldn't stop at like a convenience store and be like, you know where this fire hall is, and they looked at you with yeah, like three heads, and you're just like, find me a kid with a backpack. The show Dude, me That's I, all you I could tell you. We, you know, going to Pennsylvania and going to Albany and Syracuse, always this happened. Like we wound up in some random place because we didn't have directions. And I remember being with Irate and shut down and Irate. We we took a van together and we had some shows in Albany and, and Syracuse and Buffalo. Maybe we did a weekend together and we couldn't find the place. And we wound up stopping at some place and it was like a restaurant with no name on it. And we walk in and it's like this, like, it's like out of a horror movie. And somebody walks up to us and they're like, do you want the red plate or the blue plate special? And we're like, we're just trying to find directions to the club. <laughs> and um, it's, yeah, man, it's like, it's the stuff nightmares are made of. Thank God for GPS now. Oh, wow. It's crazy. And it was nuts back then because you could also, in the 90s at least, People didn't exactly dress like us. If you saw someone with like a floor punch shirt on in, in another state, you could go up and start talking to that person. Oh, easily. Easily. Yeah, back, for sure. That was a little bit more like, I'm not sure. Like, did you buy that shirt <laughs> online? It was kind of like an inside club. And you'll like this one. Uh, I remember so I was with some of my band members, my short lived band, Final Stand. And we stopped at a Burger King in Dixon City. By the way, I don't eat that stuff anymore. 
But I remember same, looking over. Same. Yeah, I, I remember look. We were looking over, and we saw people, you know, dressed like us, the big pants and some New York hardcore shirts on. And I'm like, "There's somebody, like that. That's a band." And like I was like, "I, I we don't know who it is," but I'm like, we "We're like, why don't you go find out?" And I went over, and I was like, "You guys are a band." They're like, "Yeah." And I'm like, uh, and "I'm like, I'm like, I know you're a hardcore band. Could you, I'm sorry, I just don't know who you are off, off band. Who are you?" And they go. We're inhuman. And, That's and, so funny. That's and so uh, funny. I was like, "Oh shit, dude!" Um, I like. I hope I didn't miss your show today. If you're, if you're, this is why you're in the area. I was like, I just saw you guys at Manus Green. They go, "Oh no, we're passing through. We're on our way to Albany. We just, we were just hungry." So that is I, so funny. It, it, that that's really funny. Yeah. So I mean, we just had a quick chat about you know shows, but they were eating. Oh, fast. they're great guys. Yeah, yeah no, we were eating fast. But I just said like there was a time when you could just identify. You could like literally look at totally. it. Like, that's one you of know, my kind. <laughs> I it's funny you say that because like I try to identify with like some of the younger kids. You know, like I want them to know that like I'm supportive of their bands. And I, I hate to say younger kids. Some of them are men. You know what I'm saying? But they're just younger than us. They're like 20 years younger than us. And, and it's like funny, like I'll hit them up if I'm into their band and I'll be like, dude, I just want you to know, like your band rules. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Keep doing your thing. Great to see you guys out there hustling, doing your thing. And it's cool. Like I make, I'm doing the same thing I did 25 years ago. Like this is how I make friends. So I kind of, it's, it's, I just, I like to meet younger kids when I say younger, just younger than you and I in bands and, and just doing it. And I can relate to them on so many levels. That it's like I just wanna I just wanna listen to them and know that they have my support. You know what I mean? And whether it means anything to them, I don't I couldn't tell you, but it's just cool, man. There's there's so much good stuff out there. I think that's good to say to any band, because you know being in a band that at any point that those negative vibes could come. If you're up against the wall, should we quit? Blah blah blah. And I think sometimes little conversations like that keep people going. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you might flash back to that to be like, no, what? No, we're, we got to keep this going. So, yeah, man. And like I said, it may, they may not have been fans of shutdown per se or whatever, but I just think it's cool for an older hardcore guy to let a younger hardcore guy know, yo, you guys are doing your thing and much respect. I, my message to them is much respect. Great to see younger bands doing their thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at. There's a couple of really good bands from New York doing their thing now. Combust is dope. I love that band. Um, shout out to Combust. Pick up their new record. Really good hardcore band, man. I, I mean, it's kind of like modern day influenced by like Killing Time and Integrity. It's really cool stuff. Um, you know, um, the guys in Shutdown have a band called The Last Stand. They're really good. Check them out. Their new music is really good. They put an EP out during the pandemic. That's great. They did a split with um, a band from California that we're friends with called One Choice that actually played Black and Blue Bowl. Um, so, you know, it, it, there's, but there's so many other things coming. Like there's a band from Baltimore called end it that I absolutely love. Um, they're one of my favorite bands. Um, and, and there's just so much good new music out, man. You know, uh, mind force of course is just, to me, they're just there. I think for New York hardcore mind force takes the reins right now. I mean, they may be the biggest New York hardcore band right now in the world. Um, they're that good and they deserve it. You know, they're a great band. Great to see that band getting out there. Um, again, I looked up the sound and fury set from them and i was just like blown away i mean just blown away and it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen if you look it up it's just crowd intensity passion everything you want out of a hardcore show sweet i'm definitely gonna look that up uh at some point after we're uh we're done here but i'm also heading to a show and i'm proud to announce to the hardcore scene from around the world that a little later for the second time i'm gonna go see tim capello play and if for anyone who doesn't know who tim capello is 
Tim Capello is the saxophone player from the movie The Lost Boys. So that's how cool I am. That's super cool, man. That's <laughs> super cool. I've always wanted to go to the Lost Boys house. It's in Oklahoma and like everybody talks about it. You mean the and, Outsiders? Uh, oh, the Outsiders. I was thinking of the Outsiders. Sorry about yeah, that. I said the Lost, Lost Boys. Boys. I was actually at the uh, uh, the Outsider house. It's owned by, um, I think it's one of the guys from Cypress Hill or House Something of Pain. Something like that, yeah. I yeah. see everybody from pictures there. But yes, the Lost Boys. I always get Lost Boys and Outsiders confused. Lost Boys was an adult movie. My brother yeah, Mike was. Movie. Really well, I, I've been at uh, I've been at both spots, so that's pretty freaking cool. But uh, nice, yeah. man. But uh, Mark, uh, where could anyone here shut down? Right now. So you can go on Spotify. Um, we're on Spotify. We're on Pandora. Um, as we release new music next year, we we're kind of like figuring out who's going to put it out, but it'll be out there um, on all platforms. But if you do want to support us, um, just go. You can follow me on Instagram, uh, Mark Shutdown on Instagram. Um, you know, you can uh, follow Shutdown's Facebook page. We're pretty active on there, and I'm going to start a Shutdown Instagram page soon too, so you can be on the lookout for that. But um, yeah, you can check out all our albums and stuff, with the exception of the SFT turning the tie DP, which is not on any digital platforms. I'm trying to change that. I'm working with Kevin Gill to try to get that changed. So that should be out there hopefully, but all three releases from victory are on, you know, all the digital platforms. Um, and you know, looking forward to just continuing to do this hardcore thing, man, it's gonna, gonna be doing it for as long as I can, because it's really what we love. And, you know, my wife says it the, the best way she said, you know, when you're up there playing with your guys, like with the shutdown guys, like I've literally, you're glowing. She said, you know, you're glowing up there. Like you want to be there. Like, this is what you love. And you know, everybody kind of has that passion. For me, it's playing and listening to hardcore. Wait. Well, Mark, uh, we're still young guys, but 27 years went by pretty fast, my friend. It really did, dude. It really <laughs> did, Lauren. But let me tell you, you look great, man. You look the same. Um, I'm great to see. It's great to see, like, you doing your thing. Uh, I'm not crazy active on social media, but I'm active enough to have seen your growth over the last like 10 to 15 years, we were friends since this thing came, Facebook came out and, you know, like to see the growth of yourself and your career. And it's really cool, man. Kudos to you. Keep doing it. It's really cool. I'm just one of those guys that gets to say, I knew you back when, <laughs> and, um, that's kind of how I tell it to my kids, you know, and I, there's a lot of people like that in my life from back in the day when we were all friends and, um, we're still here. Right. And, and we're yeah. still kicking it. We're still strong. And, um, you know, there's, it, that's kind of, I believe that the hardcore has a big part of that for both of us. It keeps us mentally strong and healthy and, 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 you know, doing good things in our life as weird as that sounds. And I always said, dude, it keep it keeps you young, dude. I mean, you, you don't want to let the old man in be a responsible adult, but don't let the old man in ever. You know, I let the grouchy old man in with four kids all the time. You know what I mean? But then I cook and I put on, you know, keepers of the faith and I remember who I am. And I, I, I call one of them downstairs and we start moshing. Yeah, I hear you, brother. Awesome. Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, and, brother. And uh, I thank this audience for taking the time to check out this show. Again, please give us that subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Mark, I thank you again. And Thanks, man. That. Lauren, you're awesome, dude. I appreciate you having me on. After all these years, it was a pleasure. Um, hope you continue to do your thing. I'm always here. You got my full support. And, and again, I, I appreciate it, man. It's always fun. I've been sitting in my kids' room. They've been listening to this whole podcast. I think I'm boring the hell out of them. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so so a lot of people are going to look at the background and go oh i didn't know he was attack of the titans fan but yeah. um you know but but no it's all good man i really appreciate you having me you know i love talking about this stuff just like you do and i'm um, happy to be here so thanks bro and stay in touch you got it bro i'll shut the party down later man appreciate you later